0: Welcome to the PC Speaking Podcast series, Through the Bible in a Year, where we come together for daily reading and reflection as we journey through the scriptures. Let's dive into today's episode with Pastor Chris Miller. Hello and welcome to day number seven of our through the Bible in a Year reading program. I hope your reading has gone well this year. I hope your reading is off to a great start. If you're listening to the podcast, welcome to you. If you are watching the video, welcome to you as well. Uh, This is new to me. I don't do much video and podcasting at the same time. I have a tendency to want to watch the screen and watch myself. But I need to be looking at the camera and you, so bear with me as I work this out. Decided to broadcast from the office today. Uh, welcome to my office, mi casa e su casa. Well, our passage today is from uh, our your yesterday's reading, and our memory verse is from the Psalms, uh, the very first two verses of The book of Psalms, Uh, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Hope you're working on memorizing that verse. Um, Last week, I mentioned that one of my favorite things about Bible reading is the joy of discovery. As I read, I often discover things that I haven't noticed before. There's so many wonderful things in scripture like that. And today's one of those days, there's a lot of discovery in the very first Psalm. Um, Like I say, I hope your reading has gone well this week. Maybe you've made some discoveries that you haven't seen before. and you are already beginning to recognize the benefits of immersing yourself in God's word each day. And I'm looking forward to doing this throughout the year, but today's our first day when we dig into and expound on our uh, memory verse passage. And I really don't know that we could have a more appropriate verse to kick off our first memory verse day in our Through the Bible in a Year reading program. And I hope you'll feel the same way once we expound a bit on these verses. Uh, We've been reading through Genesis and Matthew this week um, as we journey through the scripture. And uh, I learned a new word recently. Um, I posted it on my personal Instagram account. I don't know if you follow me there or not, but uh, it's an old slang word. It's called wample, and it means to travel purposely towards a vague destination, which is something I kind of enjoy doing, I suppose. Uh, I like to do that when I go out backpacking, which I'm hoping to do quite soon once I get these uh, Sunday messages put together, plan on taking a backtracking trip and looking forward to that. Um, but sometimes we do that in life. We caught We travel through life um, seemingly with purpose, but the destination of where we're headed is, is often vague for many. But the reality is, is that we are all traveling towards a destination, even if we don't know what that destination is. And this is uh, something I learned many years ago from another pastor. And it's called the principle of the path. And it's a principle, you can't break a principle. You can break a law, but you can't break a principle. If you're driving down the road, you can speed and break the road rules. But if you stay on that road, you're gonna end up where it takes you. That's the principle of the path and you can't break principles. Whatever your path you're on, whether it be on life, driving somewhere, whatever it might be, it is leading you to a destination even if you don't really understand what that destination is, and you can't change that destination. Now you can change the path you're on, but you can't change the destination of the path. And we're all headed somewhere, even if we're not intentional about it. If you go for a walk and someone asks you, hey, where are you going? And you answer nowhere. The reality is, is that you're not going nowhere. You're going somewhere, even if you don't realize where it is you're going to end up. Every path is leading us somewhere. It's leading to a destination, even if it's a vague or unknown destination. And it may not be a specific geographic place. Maybe it's just walking for better health. Maybe you're out walking to clear your mind or to spend, in time, spend some time in prayer. But whether physical, mental, or spiritual, we're all on a path and we're all headed towards a destination on that path. And I hope you are on a path that is leading you to completing the entire Bible reading over the course of the coming year. And that's something that there are many people who never do. Now, our memory verse day today talks about both a path and God's word. Uh, I'm going to read the whole six verses to you today. Uh, Psalm chapter one, verses one through six. Now, our memory verses are one and two, but we're going to talk about verses one through six. And they say, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf will not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly will perish. So that's our the verses we're gonna be talking about today from Psalm one. Um, Psalm, well, the Psalms is, is just a storehouse of human experience. There's so much in the Psalms. It's a book of worship. Um, there is likely, whatever you might be going through in your life, there is likely a psalm that's relatable to that. And Psalm 1 is a psalm about the path you're traveling and who you are traveling that path with. You could also say this is a psalm about who and what influences your life and the results of that influence. Most of the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. And I took one or two years of Hebrew when I was uh, in seminary some time ago. And that was more than enough Hebrew for me. Um, but I did learn some good stuff. Hebrew is a different language. You know, it's back to front and it's just, uh, there's no vowels. It's it's a bit of a, yeah, it's a challenge to learn. But there are a few things that I learned that really stuck with me in my study of Hebrew. And I can't remember where I set my car keys uh, 10 minutes ago, but I can remember that the word blessed in Psalm 1 is a plural interjection. And when you read Psalm 1, with that knowledge, and we're going to talk about that, it makes it so much more rich, so much more understandable, I could say. It just makes it that much more special. Now, the word blessed, when you use it speaking to or about God is used in the sense of praise. When you use the word blessed talking about a person being blessed, uh, if you boil it down in a very simple way, it means a sense of happiness, the word blessed. Now, like I said, it's a plural interjection. And if you know your grammar, remember your grammar. An interjection is a word that shows sudden emotion or strong feeling. If you say, wow, that's great, wow, is an interjection, and the word "blessed" is also a plural interjection. In English, when we talk about uh, the number of a part of speech, like a verb, for instance, we have singular, which is one, and we have plural, which is two. In Hebrew grammar, it's a little different. There is singular, which is also one. Um, there is dual, which is two, and there is plural, which is three or more. And in the book of Psalms, the storehouse of human experience opens with the word blessed as a plural interjection. That tells us that those who follow the instruction of this Psalm are at least triple happy, 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 happy is the man who does these things. And people put, a lot of thought into what they can do to be happy. There's all kinds of things out there, lists, whatnot, people, influencers, what telling you how you can be happy. And in this Psalm, we have an answer to that question, how to be happy. And this answer is a little different though than what we might normally be get because Usually, when you talk about happiness, we talk about things we should do that will make us happy. Now, usually, there's a list of things to do or a to do list that comes along with the idea of achieving happiness. And, you know, sometimes that works. Some of those things may very well provide happiness. Um, but in this case, the Bible doesn't start with a to do list, it starts with a not to do list. Blessed is the man who doesn't do some things, and well, frankly, I suppose it's a bit of a relief to hear that. Um, maybe that's a maybe that's a New Year's resolution. Okay, there's some things I'm not going to do this year instead of some things that uh, I'm going to do. Not doing something sounds pretty good, especially after the holidays, and might be nice to have a not to do list for a change. But we're given three things in this psalm not to do. Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't stand in the path of sinners and don't sit in the seat of scoffers or the scornful. Same thing. And we get up every day, we go somewhere, we put our feet on a path the moment they hit the floor from our bed. Even if we're not really going somewhere, we're going somewhere. There's a path we're on, it's headed to a destination. We can't change that destination, but we can change the path we're on. And the Bible says along that path, avoiding some things, will lead to happiness. And the first on our not-to-do list on the path to happiness is to not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't follow ungodly advice. That's what it means. To experience the kind of happiness we're talking about, the plural interjection, happy, happy, happy kind of happiness, the direction you walk can't be dictated by bad advice. And if it's ungodly, it's bad. There's no such thing as good advice that is ungodly advice. And in the world we live, there's so much stuff competing for influence in your life. It's just everywhere all the time. In your face, the books you read, the websites you visit, uh, social media, the news uh, shows you watch are all competing for your attention. Uh, This Bible reading program is competing for your attention. All these different things want to direct the path that you're on. They want to set you on a path. They want to direct the direction you are going. And we have to decide what we are going to allow to determine which path we are on. Is it godly or is it ungodly? Now, the next thing the blessed person doesn't do is stand in the path of sinners. In these first few verses, there's there's a progression you're going to see happening here. One thing leads to another, you know, unvoid or avoid ungodly advice and steer clear of the path of sinners. If you do follow ungodly advice, you will find yourself standing in the path of sinners. You'll find yourself following the same path as sinners if you take ungodly advice on board. And if you take ungodly counsel, if you take ungodly advice, it won't be long before you start to identify with that advice. And it, it uh, doesn't take that much for that to happen. Not like you might think a little here, a little there, and you still sort of follow a little bad advice. And all of a sudden you find yourself standing in the path of sinners, like our Psalm talks about. You're gonna identify with whatever feeds your brain, whatever you allow in your head, that's gonna influence you, it's gonna put you on a path. And the way people around you think, It's contagious. It matters who you surround yourself with. It matters who you listen to. And if you walk in the counsel of the ungodly, you will soon find yourself on the path of sinners, just like the Psalm says. And of course, it's not about avoiding contact with people in the world or lost people or ungodly people. It's about the path that you choose. It's about what you allow to influence your life. Walking in the path of sinners is identifying yourself with a sinful position. Our psalm also says that blessed people don't sit in the seat of scoffers or they don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Now, a scornful person is someone who mocks God. Sitting in In the seat of the scornful means abiding in the same place as the person who mocks God. It's kind of like moving into the same house together. It's uh, a place where you are resting and comfortable. So you see there's a progression that happens here. You take ungodly advice, you find yourself standing in the path of sinners. The next thing you know, you're going to be sitting in the seat of scoffers or scornful people, and you're going to be comfortable there. So that's a progression that happens. And, you know, of course we think, oh, I'd never do that. I'd never be at home. I'd never be comfortable where someone mocks God. But if you walk in the counsel of the ungodly, you stand in the path of sinners, you will end up sitting comfortably in the seat of the scornful. You'll find yourself being comfortable amongst people who mock God. And sometimes we need to take a, a good look at the path we're on. We really do. The very happy person doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, stand in the path of sinners, or sit in the seat of scoffers. And when you think about that, I I watch, you know, some of these, you know, different videos, podcasts, things like that. Have you ever seen a person who mocks God and is happy? Um You know, they might say they are, but they sure don't seem like it. Um, Cynical, absolutely. Happy, yeah, I'm just not buying it. And if you sum those things up, it really means that joy is found on a path that leads to obedience to God or on a path that is paved with obedience to God. His way is always the best way. And that's a not to do list. And those are things you choose not to do. Now let's take, let's take a look at some things that you can choose to do. Uh, you can choose to do what verse two says. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Meditating on God's law means engaging yourself with teaching instruction and the direction of God's word, just like reading it every day. Um And you do so, you meditate on it to the point that it is a priority of your life. It shapes who you are and it determines the path that you follow. And you remember our reading from Proverbs uh, 3, trust in the Lord and he will direct your paths. That's why we do things like reading through the Bible in a year, Um, but meditating on it is more than just simply reading it. It's concentrating on it, thinking about it, filling your mind with it. That's part of the reason we include the little uh, meditations, things to think about as part of the podcast each day and as part of your daily reading. It's reading, thinking, praying, and engaging yourself with God's word to the point that it directs your path. It determines the path that you follow. And ultimately, the path that you follow is leading to a destination. And if your path is paved with obedience to God, it's going to lead to a good place. But there's always something that wants to get in the way of that, isn't there? Someone says, you know, when I think about reading every day, someone's like, oh, it's boring, or I really don't feel like it. And, you know, we're all there at times. Have you ever burned your tongue so bad that you couldn't taste anything? That's kind of like what media does to our brain. And when we're so used to all the flashy media and lots going on and the music and the lights and all those things, our daily Bible reading can seem, um, well, a little bit vanilla maybe, but that's what media does to our brain. And that's what makes us think things like, oh, this is kind of boring. I don't really want to do this. We're so bombarded with junk media that some of our senses are dull. Everything's packaged in such a way that you have to put no effort or thought into it at all. Uh, even things that are called news are often packaged as entertainment. The music, lights, attractive people, uh, the gossiping, clickbait, uh, inflammatory reporters, all of that stuff is just meant to get you to consume that product and make it as easy as possible for you to do that and everything is designed to get your brain to dump those chemicals into your body and want more of that thing and you know a lot of what we we see on television or internet whatever a lot of it's just more entertainment really than it is news and that stuff it directs your path It changes your mind and that stuff is poisoning a lot of brains and kind of turning them into mush and we're drowning in information, but we need more wisdom. And the difference between wisdom and information is not just information. You know, information is shoveled at us in massive quantities. We have more information available than people have ever had in history. Wisdom is the right application of information and well, Wisdom is a little harder to come by. Wisdom requires some time and some effort. And God gives it liberally to those who ask, but that doesn't mean that it's easy or that it's free. (coughs) Excuse me. So yeah, wisdom, right application of knowledge. God gives it liberally to those who ask, but that doesn't mean it's easy or that it's free. God gives us his teaching. He gives us his instruction. He gives us his direction and a nice, neat package. But it takes some time and effort to learn it and also to rightly apply it. It takes time. It takes prayer. It takes meditation. It takes the effort to decide to make it a priority in your life. Now, most um, media dumps information and does everything it can to require the least amount of effort possible for to you to consume it. You just sit there and you let it feed you. You let it make you emotional, angry, uh, afraid, happy, whatever it might make you do. And it's effortless. And I I will admit, I do a lot of social media content. And when I put together social media content, I try to make that as easy as possible for someone to sit and listen to it because there is so much competition for people's attention. But God wants us to put effort into feeding ourselves. As his followers, he expects us to make that effort to learn, to read his word, to take responsibility, to choose the path we're taking in life instead of letting the path choose us or let something else besides God choose that path for us. Delight in his law, meditate on it both day and night. And verse three gives us a word picture that shows us what that's gonna look like when you do that. This is what it says. It says, he will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf will not wither and whatever he does will prosper. That's what the person looks like who regularly meditates on God's word day and night. They look settled. They look planted like a tree planted by a river. You know, it's nice to imagine a nice grassy riverbank and a shade tree planted by a river. That's what the person who constantly consumes God's word and disciplines themselves to do that. That's going to be you. You know, there may be chaos going around you, but you're going to be like a tree planted by a river. And, you know, maybe you've had the opportunity to be around people like that and be around someone who is like that. And, who's just planted in godly wisdom and they're settled in it. And I've known a few people like that in the past. It's peaceful, it's enjoyable. You like to be around people like that. And the Bible also says that a tree brings forth its fruit in its season. People like that are nice to be around. You go away from them feeling peaceful. You feel strengthened. You feel encouraged by them. You know What kind of fruit does a tree like that produce? Love, you know, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, fruits of the spirit. And what kind of fruit does a tree produce that is not planted by a river like that? It was not planted in God's word, but planted in other kinds of media. I see this all the time. Anger, hate, discontent, lashing out, a lack of self-control, a lack of patience, fear. All of these things are the fruit of other kinds of media. And a lot of Christians subject themselves to that stuff. And this is even, you know, uh, the case with some so-called Christian media that presents itself as Christian media. It produces the same kind of fruit, hate, discontent, anger, lashing out, a lack of self-control, a lack of patience, all of those things. So even if you think you're consuming Christian media, that's something to think about because, Not all Christian media brings out, well, Christian, put that in quotes, not all Christian media, in quotes, brings out Christian fruit or fruit of the spirit. So when you think about the kind of media you consume, think about the kind of fruit that it produces. And I really like this next one. The Bible says its leaf will not wither. When talking about this tree, a leaf that doesn't wither is durable. It goes through the seasons and it stays lush. It stays green. A believer meditating on God's word is durable. And you know, it's an old saying, but it's it's really true. And it, it says that a Bible is that's falling apart is probably owned by someone who is not. So that's something to think about too. They don't quickly get their feelings hurt. They're settled. Um, they don't fall apart. At an unexpected turn of events. They don't, you know, fall apart at everything that happens to be going on at the world at the moment, or wither away at inconvenience, things like that. You know, a, a person who is walking on a godly path isn't afraid of what the world says, isn't afraid of what the world does. And I see many Christians, unfortunately, who are afraid of the world or wither away because there's non-Christians out there acting like non-Christians. The leaf on this tree doesn't wither because it's well-nourished and it's attached to a tree with deep, well-fed roots. And the Bible says, whatever he does will prosper. Whatever he does will prosper. And of course, in our mind, when we hear the word prosper in our culture, we automatically think financial prosperity. That's kind of where our brain goes. Unfortunately, you know, there's a school of thought, we've talked about this before, out there that believes that, you know, it's God's job to make you wealthy. It's God's job to fix your problems. It's in other similar nonsense like that, where God is supposed to make you prosper like that. And that belief comes from a lack of godly meditation, a lack of meditating on God's word and knowing it and understanding it. The word prosper means to cut through, to flourish, to succeed. Whenever a godly person chooses a path, his wisdom will cut through the rubbish. He will choose a godly path and will flourish like a tree planted by a river. So to prosper in this case means he will succeed at the not to do list we've talked about. He will succeed at not um, listening to ungodly counsel. He will succeed at not standing in the path of sinners. He will succeed at not sitting in the seat of scoffers. And in doing so, he's like a tree planted by a river, durable and stable and leaves that are not blown away by the wind. They stay green. They don't wither. And the Bible goes on to say in verse four, but the ungodly, well, they're not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. The ungodly person and the blessed person in this first Psalm are the antithesis of each other. They're totally different. One is planted, one is settled, one is 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 dried up and blown away by the wind. And we need to think about, you know, which one am I? Where where am I with that? What's, what's going on in my life? And the one thing godly people should be is settled, settled. We should be settled in the gospel. We should be settled and planted in the fact that death and evil have been defeated on the cross. And, you know, obviously evil hasn't been eradicated yet, but it's been defeated. The battle's already won. And it makes me sad when I see people who you know, are followers of Jesus, or at least claim to be, being blown about like chaff in the wind. Upset, worried, afraid, angry, blown about by whatever happens to be the issue of the day. You know, just perpetually stressed, acting like God has somehow been caught off guard and pushed off his throne by whatever's going on in the world. The world and everything in it is temporary and you can't control the path everyone else chooses everyone has to make that decision for themselves but you can choose your path and whatever path you choose carries with it consequences it's, there's consequences that come with every decision every path you choose some of them you know are smaller than others some of them are major consequences but simple rule godly path Godly consequences, and that's a good thing. You know, there's a such thing as good consequences. We often think of them as negative, but there's good consequences from good decisions. Ungodly path, ungodly consequences, bad ones. Bad things are going to happen. Evil has been defeated. It will end. It's already as good as finished. It's done. It's something to turn away from, and it's something to forsake. Following and serving evil is a dead end path because it's already defeated. Doing that means that you will perish. Now, verses five and six say this. Therefore, the ungodly will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous for the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the ungodly will perish. If you choose a path that rejects God and lives apart from him, in this life, you are choosing a path that is leading to a destination. You're on a path, you can't change the destination, but you can change the path. And the path of rejecting God, the destination of that path is eternal condemnation, eternal separation from God in a very real, very fiery hell. Your decision about God today sets you on a path that leads to an eternal destination. You can't change the destination of the path you're on, but you can change the path that you follow. If you choose evil, you will not stand in God's judgment. You will be crushed by it. The ungodly will perish. And I can't choose your path for you. The only person who can do that is you. And God doesn't choose your path for you. He doesn't force you on a path. He offers you the gospel. He offers you a gift through the shed blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Now, if you choose today to reject God, his plan of redemption and live apart from him, that sets you on a path that lasts for eternity. And the opposite is also true. If you choose to accept God and the gift he offers, that sets you on a path towards eternity. (laughs) People are born with a sinful nature. We're born evil I know the world tells us otherwise, but that's a lie. Of course, there's lots of people who do good things. I'm not saying anything like that, but do you have to teach your kids to be sinful or do you have to teach them to be obedient? You have to teach them to be obedient. Our sin separates us from God. We're born with that sin nature, but he has provided a way for us to be redeemed through his son, Jesus Christ. And when Jesus went to the cross and shed his blood, he defeated evil. He defeated the power of sin. He defeated the power of death and he opened the pathway to an eternity in heaven with him. And he offers us that gift when we choose him, when we choose him over sin, when we choose him over self and the choice that you make about that sets you on a path to an eternal destination. And, Every one of us is on a path to eternity. That's reality. You know, it's it's kind of a joke, but at the same time it's not a joke. No one's getting out of here alive. But where will the path you are on take you? Everyone's path leads to God's judgment. And in that judgment, will God be your judge or will Jesus be your redeemer? Something for everyone to think about. And if you want Jesus as your redeemer, recognize you need a savior, repent from sin, put your faith and your trust in him. You can pray right now and do that right now and just pray and say, God, I recognize that I'm sinful. I recognize you sent Jesus to be my savior. And I recognize I need that savior. I accept that gift and I thank you for that gift. And you can put that in your own words. And it seems overly simple, but accept Jesus, that puts you on a path to eternity in heaven with him. Well, again, I hope your reading is going well. Um, I continue, or I encourage you to continue on throughout the week. Keep your reading up. You're doing an amazing job. And I look forward to speaking to you again tomorrow. Thank you for joining us today on the PC Speaking Podcast. Tune in tomorrow for another episode of Through the Bible in a Year. If you have found this helpful, please follow the podcast and share it with a friend. It is our hope and prayer that every episode helps enrich your relationship with God and His Word. Stop beating My soul will keep on singing